0: Get yourself in Bible study mode. That's right. <laughs> okay. Right. That means if you got, if you need to have your Bible where you can get to it and turn to it, and you need to have a note because you're going to say, Joel, you didn't give me time to write all that down. That's right. I didn't. <laughs> and and I, I, I'll do like Brother James. I'll put my watch up here. And what did he say Sunday, what that meant? It had nothing it just got out of the way <laughs> it didn't mean a thing it's like the first closing second closing third closing that and, that and I understand that so I try not to do that but I will uh you know it, it's very important that that we we study the word Amen. you know it, it's it's nice to have where we're all reading together yeah. but if all we're doing is reading that's all we're doing it says to study the word to show ourselves our approved. And so if you would go ahead and, and uh, open with me and, and I'll have some of the scriptures up here. I'm reading and ministering out of the New American Standard. So if it reads a little bit different than yours, that's okay. But we're going to start out in Matthew 25 verses 1 through 3. And there's a whole lot that we have to learn about God. There's a whole lot we need to learn about Jesus uh, there's a whole lot we need to know about the Word. Uh, and you know everything that Jesus did, everything that he spoke of, he spoke of the Father. Mm-hmm. He, he was He was giving us, he was giving his disciples insight to who the Father was. Right. okay? And so when we look at, at Jesus' ministry, that that's what he's doing, He's giving us insight to the Father and to the ways of the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Amen. important to know His ways. And so a lot of times, he spoke in parables, and, and we, we could make reference to several scriptures where he said, you know, he, he spoke in parables, uh, but not that everybody would understand and hear. Uh, but he, he went to the, his people first. Amen. and says, so within those parables, there's the explanation of the ways of the Father. So we want to do that, and it's true with this parable here that we'll be reading uh, here in Matthew 25, and it'll be 1 through 13. Some of you have probably familiar with it. It's parable of the ten virgins. If you got your little uh, bookmark, you might want to put it there because we, we will we will come back <laughs> multiple times. Okay, so that's at least one place you know that that will be your anchor uh, in the service tonight. Okay. Amen. All right. So then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were prudent, or wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flask along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, or to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there uh, will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away uh, to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. And later the other virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word's truth. Father, we ask that you open up our understanding. Father, you open up our ears and our eyes so that we can hear and see what your word is saying to us tonight. Father, your word is truth. And it's life and it's health all of our flesh. So, Father, we just receive that. And, Father, we just do pray for clear understanding of your word. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, we look there in verse 1. And, uh, yeah, in verse 1. And he, and he tells us there that the kingdom of heaven would be compared to ten virgins who, taking their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom here is Jesus. Okay, even though this is his parable and he's telling it, it's a parable, but he's still, he is the bridegroom. The lamps are the vessels that give forth light so all may see. Okay, okay. so you, you think about it, you know, uh, that that's what that vessel uh, is to do. So in Matthew 5, and some of these I've got up here so you won't have to turn to them. It says, Matthew five fourteen through sixteen says, "You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but the lamp, st- but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven." So, as our, as the as part of the virgins, they were virgins, right? That they had kept their self pure, right? right. Amen. Come on. Yes. Amen. Okay. Amen. But he went on to say that there were five of them that were foolish and five that were wise. So, you know, it's important that we understand what's the difference between being foolish and between being wise. So, again, they all had lamps, right? So that the light may shine in the house. Okay? Alright. So, in chapter, in chapter 25, verse 2, it says, For five of them were foolish, and five were, were prudent or wise. So, what we want to do is we want to look at, at, at the difference here. So, if we look at Matthew 10, 24, and 25, it, it talks about a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and a slave like his master. So our intent is not to absurd authority over Jesus, but to become like him. Right. Amen. That's our goal. Right. Amen. Okay. In case you don't know, that's our goal. And we'll, and we'll build on that a little more as we go. So, but, but here, we want to be like him. So if you follow after Jesus you become like Jesus. Amen. If you follow after men or the ways of the world, you become like men Amen. and the ways of the world. That's good. Amen. So which one of them is wise and which is foolish? Okay. So, in Matthew 13, and let's, let's flip over there real quick. Let's, let's talk just a little bit and let's be sure we understand who's who. Amen. Okay. In Matthew 13, verse 14 and through, uh, excuse me, 14 through 15, it says, in the case of the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you shall keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, Hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and return, and I would heal them. So you know we have those that that are refusing to hear the truth of the word. Right. Amen. Amen. They don't want to hear it. Why? Because they're not ready to change. That's right. Amen. And some of them may be sitting in church. Amen. You know, if you want to be, a, uh, it used to be if you want to be an insurance. Uh, Salesmen, they tell you to join the largest church in town. Well, why are they there? Sell insurance. You know, and and we don't need to be that way. Church is not, yeah, it's a place that we, the body of Christ, gather together to worship God, not for you to sell me insurance. And I've had a few folks try to sell me insurance, okay? (laughs) Especially as I get older. They say, Boy, don't you need some insurance? So anyway, so we, we have that in, in Matthew. In verse 19, in the same chapter, it says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown by the roadside. And this is talking about the parable of the sower sows the word. And it, so it goes on to say, the one on whom seed has sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Have y'all ever seen anybody, that they, they come to church and they, they receive the word and now all of a sudden they just, they look like they're going to explode on you. You know, <laughs> they're just full of joy and then next week you can't find them nowhere. Right. Amen. See, Amen. immediately, it says, immediately that the enemy comes to take right. away the word Amen. that has been sown. It said, yet, because there is no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seen, uh, the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the worlds. If you don't have any worries, uh, news comes on at four o'clock now. So they can get it all in by 6.30, right? And the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word And it becomes unfruitful. So the foolish are those that have, hear the word, but yet they're unable to retain it, hold on to it, okay? Okay. In Matthew 7, 26 through 27, it says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house uh, on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell, and great was its fall. So even Jesus said that if these that hear it but don't act on God's word, they are foolish, okay? So it's important that we understand what's going on. Uh, In Romans 1, uh, 18, so I told you we're gonna flip around here a little bit. Hopefully none of your pages are stuck together. None, And if I can't find some, I always say mine's stuck together. That sucker I had last night, no. In Romans, in Romans 1, starting in verse 18, we'll go through 23. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, divine nature hath made has been clearly seen, being understood through that what had been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or gave thanks. But they became futile in their speculation, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. In other words, they started worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Right, right. Those that had turned away from the very thing that had been made visible he, uh, by who God was and they turned away from that, he just called them, they became fools. So when we're looking through that we see the consistency in the word, and it talks about those fools or foolish people, okay? So in Galatians 3.3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, where their folks have have come in the spiritual, but then they decided, well, we'll just do it in the flesh. What did he say about it? He said, Are you so foolish? Okay? And then also in Titus 3.3, it says, For we also once were foolish ourselves. We all were foolish. Until you come to Jesus, you're foolish, okay? That's just it. You may not think you were. You may think you were real smart. And and you might have been in some some area of expertise, but you weren't smart in the things of God. But he says, For we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, Hateful and hating one another. So, again, that's just a description of foolish. Amen. Okay, and, Amen. and we need to understand what foolish is. Amen. Let's turn with, uh, if you would, to Proverbs 14. And I won't read the whole chapter, but I, there are a few things I want to pull out of there. Amen. In Proverbs 14, it has characteristics of a foolish man. But it also does some comparison with the wise as well. So when we look at 14 verse 1 it says the wise woman builds her house but the foolish tear it down with their own hands. It said he who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord but he who is devious in his ways despises him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back. So discipline, punishment. But the lips of the wise will protect them. Where no oxen are the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of an ox. A trustworthy witness will not lie, but a false witness utters lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none. But knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Leave the presence of fool, of a fool, or do not or you will not discern words of knowledge. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his ways, but the foolish of the foolishness of fools is deceit. Fools mock sin at sin, but among the upright there is goodwill. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share in its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way which seems right to man, but the end. Is the way of death. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will have his fill of his own ways. A good man will be satisfied with his. So, and we could go on and on. So, and I would encourage you just to mark Proverbs 14 and come back and and read the whole chapter in light of this, especially when we get finished. In Jeremiah 4, verse 22, He said, for my people are foolish, they know me not, they are stupid children and have no understanding, they are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not even know. And see, he was talking about his own children. And you say, well, that ain't no good way to talk about your children. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to get straight to the point. (laughs) No, he probably wouldn't be accepted today by talking that way, you know, but that's the word, okay, he, he said, my people are foolish. And the reason they're foolish is they're not walking in obedience to his word. Wow. In Jeremiah 5, 4, it says, they are foolish for they do not know the way of the Lord or the ordinance of their God. So, again, we don't know the way. Right. We don't know his ordinance or his, his words, his, his commandments. In Jeremiah 5, you have a good opportunity to find out we're all kind of books are in your Bible tonight. (laughs) I'm not going to look at the back door. I told Averill that she said, how long are you going to be? you going to be long-winded or short-winded? And I said, well, I'm typically long-winded, but I said, if you come to the back door with this look of horror on your face, I can try to cut it short. (laughs) Then I said, so I'm not going to look at the back door. (laughs) So in Jeremiah 5, uh, starting in verse 21, He said, Now hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed a sand as a boundary for the sea, an internal decree, so it cannot cross over it. Though the waves toss, they yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, "Let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives us rain in the seasons, both autumn rain and spring rain, who keeps who keeps for us the appointed weeks of harvest." Your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have withheld good from you. The wicked men are found among my people. They watch like fowlers, lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. Like the cage full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and rich. They are fat, they are sleek, they also excel in deeds of wickedness. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the orphan that they may prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the poor. Shall I punish these people, declares the Lord? On a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule on their own authority and my people love it so, but what will you do at the end of it all? There's another scripture that says prophesy smooth words to us. Don't tell us that we're stiff-necked and rebellious. Just tell us how good we are. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like some of the things you hear today? Okay. We have to be cautious uh, in, in what we hear. We have to be yeah. cautious that we, we study the Word to show our self yeah. we, we, You know, I love Brother James, but I'm going to study the Word to see if those things that he's telling me is right. truth. And I, you need to do that with anybody. Is. Right. That, that is your responsibility. Yeah. It's for you to dig into the Word and find out how it applies to your life. Right. We're not studying it to say, well, he's wrong. We're studying it to see if, it is truth. Right. Because it's what's truth, it's what's what will set you free. That's right. Amen. That's why you need to write stuff down and Look, go back and look it up, and read Amen. it. You know, get tapes and listen to it again, and That's then right. go back and, and, and study it in the Word. Amen. In Ezekiel uh, 13, starting in verse 1 Then the Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy against. And say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus, the Lord God, woe to you foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among the ruins. You have gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divinations who are saying the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope in the fulfillment of their own words. Did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said the Lord declares, but it is not I who have spoken? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and have seen lies, and therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord. And so the hands will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divination. They will have no place in the counsel of my people, nor will it be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will it enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. I would definitely... Because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. And so tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fail. The flooding rain will come, and you, O hailstones, will fall, and a violent wind will break out. Behold, the wind has fallen, and you will be asked... There is plaster with which you plastered it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a violent wind break out in my wrath. And then there will also be my anger, the flooding rain and the hailstones to consume it in wrath. So I will tear down the wall which you have plastered over with whitewash and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation is laid bare, and then it will fall. You will be consumed in the midst, and you will know that I am the Lord your God. So it talks about, and you probably have heard folks talk about whitewash tombs and stuff like that. And it is. You're covering over plaster whitewash. All it is is to hide defaults or blemishes. All you're doing is covering up something. know, It's a temporary fix. But the wrath of God, when it hits it, it will expose all things. The Word says that those things that are done in darkness will be brought to light. Amen. I would encourage you to read the rest of Ezekiel. We won't do all that tonight. In Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is, uh, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. A foolish man will not heed to instruction. That's right. Amen. In fact, don't want your opinion. Don't need it. We could read on in Proverbs. There, there are places it says, that the wise men find his wisdom in the counsel of many. In 2 Timothy, so I'm going to take you all the way back to the backside of the New Testament now. Okay, in 2 Timothy, chapter three, and we we'll read one through nine, it says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, "...lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these." For among them are those who enter households to captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard of the faith, but they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. So, you know, he went pretty descriptive there on on what the last days would look like. That was six o'clock news tonight, by the way. <laughs> Just think about it. You know, President Trump went into a church and, and they and they announced that he was there. The pastor brought him up on stage to pray for him. Do you know that pastor, which was used to be the pastor of Highlands in Birmingham? He he has been ridiculed greatly because he prayed for President Trump. Well, hello, you just get over it. You know, you know, when you're trying to do what God would have you to do, then folks are ridiculing for, for the very thing that you're doing. That's the last days. Okay. In James 1.25, and also in Matthew 7.24 and 25, it says, the wise is a hearer and a doer of the word. Amen. Right. So we talked about the foolish, and basically the foolish said they heard the word of God, but they didn't hear it. They saw the word of God, but they didn't see it, and they didn't respond to the word of God because they didn't hear it or, re- or see it. Right. Amen. So they didn't do it. But it says a wise is a hearer and a doer of Amen. the word. That's right. Amen. And so it's James one twenty five, Matthew seven twenty four through twenty five. In Matthew thirteen twenty three, it says wise bear fruit. Yeah. That's right. In Proverbs ten fourteen, it says wise store up knowledge. In Proverbs 15, 7, it says the wise spreads knowledge. And then in Proverbs 21, 20, it says within himself, there is a precious treasure and oil. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 3, since we're right here in 2 Timothy anyway. So let's look at 10 through 12. It says, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance persecution and suffering such as has happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra at what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord rescued me he said indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted okay in second Timothy 2 verses 14 through 17 it says, Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. But he says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Amen. But avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene among The Hemis and um, the the Philetus, if I didn't say those right, excuse me, I didn't mean to, huh? John John and Henry, there you go, thank you. As per Miss Sue, see there's wisdom there. In verse 19 through 26 it says, nevertheless the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but there are also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some of honor and some of dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who who call on the name of the Lord uh, from a pure heart. But, refu- but refuse foolishness and arrogant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. Okay? I said to twenty six. And the Lord's bond servants must not be quarrelsome, must but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So there is wisdom in obeying God's word in doing what his word has told us to do. All right, in in Matthew, back in Matthew 25, verse 3, it says, The foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil. The lamp is the source of light, but they were not prepared because they took no oil. In, in Matthew 25, 4, it says, that's, in the, that's the fourth verse of that, it says the wise or the prudent took their lamps and all. So they had the source of light and they were prepared. So if we look at Psalms 119. God, Psalms 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So again, that, that lamp is giving us guidance. It's giving us direction. It, it's, it's helping us go in the correct way. Amen. Okay, that's Psalms 119, 105. In verse 5 of the parable, 25-5, it says the bridegroom was delayed and all, it said, got drowsy and they began to sleep. Everybody come kind of relaxed, laid back. and nothing going to happen anytime soon? Okay. I remember when Janice and I we we packed our bags and got out of Alabama for a while, moved to Georgia. I've never heard so much teaching and preaching in the 70s as there was on the mark of the beast. You'd ride downtown Atlanta and there'd be billboards talking about the mark of the beast. I uh, was at Ed Below. was was that one of them. He was he was from over there, and, and there was just a lot going on about that. And you know, it's just it's time to wake up. We were all worried about numbers. God's worried about something that's spiritual. <laughs> and, and, and so the mark of the beast is evident in what? Our actions. We water down the word enough to where we can't tell the difference. Because mm. oh, people can do whatever they want to do and everything's all right. You know, you know I'm not a, I'm not seeker friendly, okay, I'm sorry. If I'm supposed to be, I'll just have to get over it. I probably won't, won't be there. Amen. But I will tell people about Jesus that I'm not going to. I'm not going to change my lifestyle to accommodate Amen. them. To think that I might win them over. Amen. Several years ago, uh, I did in, in our youth ministry. I took two glasses of water. One was just clean water. The other one was water with salt in it. You could and I had somebody come up and see if they could tell the difference, and they could. <laughs> I could because, you know, I remember we used to have to gargle with salt. You know, we had a sore throat. We didn't go to the grocery store and get medicine. We used to gargle with salt and stuff like that. And good old days, Sam. But yet, I took that salt water and I dumped it into the fresh water. Guess what? Which one overcame? The salty water was the most dominant. Right. So t- trying to, uh, to adjust our lifestyle to win somebody over only puts us in a position wow. to be changed in the wrong wow. way. Wow. In that's other words, good. we become changed. They do not. Right, amen, right. that's good, right. that's good. Okay, so it's important that we realize that's that, that uh, we keep ourselves separated. Amen. So, it, it, so they got drowsy and they began to sleep. So let's look at Amos. Amen. Amos is next to the book of Joel. In, in Amos uh, chapter 8 in 11 through 13, he says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather a hearing for the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the beautiful virgins... And the young men will faint from thirst. So what's happening in Matthew 25 verse 5, when it says the bridegroom delayed, they got drowsy and began to sleep. They were becoming weak. They were fainting. Because why? Because the word had been withheld. Mm. So it said they will begin to faint because from thirst. In Matthew 25 verse 6, it said at midnight there was a shout. Here comes the bridegroom. Okay? So they all got awoke. Uh, everybody got woke up. The wise and the foolish. There was that shout at midnight. It said the bridegroom cometh. Midnight. Midnight is a time of spiritual darkness. When you least expect it, God shows up. There's that shout. You know, people are, are, are predicting days and times and they write books on how, why uh, Jesus gonna come back this year. Then next year they write another book. How many reasons that he didn't come back the year before? You know, there's always everybody's trying to speculate. The word says that that Jesus said, "I don't even know. Only my Father knows." And so when he says go, then that's when he'll go. Okay. So, but it's a time of spiritual darkness. A time of testing. A time of trials. A a time of proving, if you would, uh, during that. So. In James 1 in, in James 1, 2 through 3 it, it says, consider it all joy my brother when you encounter various trials. Amen. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Mm-hmm. Too many times we say uh, when we have diff- different trials and testings we say get behind me Satan. But we gotta have testing. Any, any of you ever go to school? Yes. Amen. After a week long of learning what happens on the final day. There's a test, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, we, we serve a good God. If we fail it, he'll allow us to take it again. That's right. Amen. And again, in some cases. And we, it's, it's good if we learn the first time. We become wise when we do that. In, in Job 34, 20, Job, 30, Job 34, 20, I better be careful saying that. I'll say it wrong. In, in Job 34, 20, it says... In a moment, they die, and at midnight, people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken with, away without a hand. So, you know, midnight is just a, just a hard time. It's a time of darkness, but, so we need to be aware of that. So, so here, that, the, bri- the shout, the bridegroom is coming. In Isaiah 42, thir- 13, it tells us that the bridegroom is victorious, and we'll read that. It's 42, 13... He tells us that, uh, he says, the Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like the man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry and he will prevail against his enemies. So the, the bridegroom is very victorious. Amen. So in, in Matthew 25, 7, it says the virgins woke up and they began to trim their lamps. And we look at Ezekiel 33. 1 through 5, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people, and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take one man from among them, and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land, and blows on the trumpet and warns the people, he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, the sword comes and takes him away. His blood is on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. So when, when that shout comes, the bridegroom cometh, we need to be aware. There needs to be that watchman. There needs to be that warning that goes forth. Okay? So we have five wise and we have five foolish here. Okay? And we start looking there and say, okay, what about them? Well, It says they they woke up and they started trimming their lamps. And in verse 8, it said the foolish wanted some of the oil of the wise. They were not prepared. Okay, They were not from the south. Because in the south, if we see somebody that needs something, what do we do? We give it to them. So they were not from the south. (laughs) If I give you the very thing that gives me eternal life, what do I have? In the case of an oil for a lamp, if I give you my oil, my my lamp will go out. You say, well, that's kind of harsh. You just had not read your Bible lately then. The, the, the Bible's got some harsh words in there. But if we give away, Sam, the only thing that will bring me into, the, into his kingdom, into his, his wedding feast, if I give that away, then I have nothing to present. I have no way for my lamp to be trimmed and, and, and burning. I gave away my all which we saw represented wisdom, right? The things that we learned from the Word, the things that we had take, taken, the foolish didn't have any oil. Why? Because they refused to accept the Word of God and to walk in it, and they wanted to do their own thing, not God's thing. And I've heard people, and you probably have too, says, well, you know, God just wouldn't be that way. You know, He, he wants us to have fun. It ain't nothing about fun. It's about walking in obedience. You know, if Mary Hart doeth good like medicine, it's, it's obvious that serving God's fun. So we have these that, that they, they said, hey, give, us, give us what you've got. In other words, give us a formula. Tell us what we need to do. The words that tell us that we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We would find that in, in Philippians 2.12. Our salvation has to be worked out individually, it has, with fear and trembling, as it would, we would find it in Philippians 2.12. Giving them what I got will not help them. Because what did they do to, do to get it? Nothing. And if you don't give anything for something, it's usually worth what? Nothing. Okay. Right. Now, yeah, I know salvation is free. But there was a price paid for that salvation. Right. It, so it's not free. Jesus gave his life. But there's also an expectation out of us that when we accept it, that yeah. we take on the responsibility of being Christ-like. So it, did it cost you something? Oh yeah, it, we had to change completely. Right, amen. Okay. Amen. So so there is a cost, but yet some people won't want it easy. Right. They want a ticket that's punched. Okay. Did I have to do anything for it? I didn't have to be prepared. I didn't have to study. I didn't have to follow after God's word. I didn't have to walk in obedience. I didn't have to do the very thing that he told me to do. But yet I want you to give me your oil. Because my, my lamp is going out. That's good. Come on. We can't do that. That's right. I'm sorry. Because it will not benefit them at all. In verse 9, he said, the wise said, no. Okay? They just flat out said no. That's why they're wise, okay? He says, or there will not be enough for us. They realized that if they had gave their oil, then they would not have enough and they wouldn't be able to go out. And so out of the 10, who would have went in if they had shared their oil? There would have been nobody that would have went into the marriage feast of the lamb. It says, go and buy from dealers. In Matthew 7, 6 it talks about not to cast your pearl before the swine because the swine will devour it and then they will turn and devour you. So don't give it away. And my personal belief, and this is Joel, okay? So uh, you take it for what it's worth. You study the word. And if God shows you the same thing, then that's great. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 3 through 5, It says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, and suspicion, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. So, Joel has a belief that the dealers are those people. They're in it for the what it can benefit them. So if you want to go buy, go buy from them. They'll give you something. It watered down, but it, they'll give you something. And it may not burn in that lamp, but you go buy oil from them. And so in my opinion, that's all. and that's all it is, is I believe the dealers are, are those that use the gospel as a means of great gain. In Matthew 25, 10, it says that the foolish go and purchase the oil. And while they're gone, because they were not prepared, while they were gone, it said the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him into the wedding feast. Why were they ready? They were prepared. Hello? This this is not a hard test, okay? They were prepared. They had walked in obedience to the Word. They had been following after Jesus. They were trying to be Christ-like. They were doing the very thing that God's Word told them to do. And so therefore, they were prepared. And so when he came in, their lamps were bright. You know, when your lamp is bright, you can be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't care how dark it is, because this was when? This was midnight, (laughs) a time of spiritual darkness. But yet, they they, they heard the shout. They trimmed their lamp, and they had plenty of oil, and it shine. When you're in a dark place, the light seems to be the brightest. Mm, There's nothing competing with it, so it's going to shine out. So the bridegroom knows exactly where you're at, and you get to go in. But if you don't have enough oil, and you're going off somewhere, you may just miss out altogether. So he went on to say, "It said, so once they went into the wedding feast, he said the door was shut." And no one else could come in. When that door is shut, it's only got a handle on one side. When that door was shut, there was no way in. So if we look in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as the result of works, so that anyone may boast. And then also in James 2, in verse uh, 14 through 26, it says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warm and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is it? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. So, you know, we accept our salvation by what? Right. By faith, right? But after accepting that salvation of faith, it's important that we start to act and respond to the Word of God. That's that is right. works. That's right. okay? It's not works that save us. It's works as evidence of what has already changed Amen. in our life. Amen. And that's by the faith of God. Amen. He goes on to say, he says, so even so, faith... If it has no works, it's dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe in God, believe that God is one, you do well. Demons also believe in shudder. See, we have folks that say they believe in God, but they don't even fear God. The demons shudder. They believe in Him, okay? He said, Are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he was offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works and was the result of the works. Faith was perfected in him. He said, and the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Yeah, there was faith that Abraham had to go up that mountain with Isaac. But that was works going up there because he knew that God had another plan. But he had to act on what he was told to do. So there was works involved in that. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, uh, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way and just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So there's works that has to be done. We have to prepare ourselves. That's right. Amen. When I went to work for Alabama Power Company, you know, you know, Janice prayed me right into that job. I was out in Texas. She, prayed, she, she was saying, you know, God, you need to put in work. <laughs> then she called me and said, hey, you got an interview. She said, I'll set you up an interview for next week. 36 years ago, by the way. Which she, she thought I wouldn't make it 36 weeks, uh, but uh, you know, but it was it's important that that we realize that you know if when I show up for work they expect me to deliver. Right, amen. And it was faith that got me the job. Okay, no doubt about it. She prayed me right through there. She said, but I, I was out in meetings in Texas, and she was at home saying, "Oh God, give him a job." And I was also praying, "Oh Lord, give me a job," because the house payments due, <laughs> the car payments were due, and we had little younguns running around. They, they always wanted something. I don't know. You know, <laughs> won't call no names because they're here. At least one of them is during that time. But so, you know, faith that works is dead. So we got, you know, we, we have that opportunity, and then we need to act on on that. So in Matthew twenty five eleven, it says the foolish return and say, Lord, Lord, open up for us. They started banging on the door, and he said. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter in. And Matthew's seven twenty-one through 23 says that. In verse 12, which is 25, 12, it says, The Lord said, I don't know who you are, you lawless ones. So what does it mean when he says, you lawless ones? They were the ones that were not walking in obedience to the word. They were, they were not obeying the law of God. So they were lawless. And he said, I don't know who you are. Because you were not walking in obedience to my word. You ain't coming in. I don't know you. So, so all the faults that, that they had received and hoped for and, and wanted, everything that they had believed falsely, just absolutely just blew up in their face. Because he says, I don't know you. And that's not something we won't hear. That's right. Amen. Not, not, not from the bridegroom. That's right. Amen. We want to know. So, how do we do that? Will we, we, we walk in obedience? That was in Matthew seven twenty three. It, it he tells us. Let's turn over there real quick, if you would. Matthew seven twenty three, says he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know it's in the word. Okay, we can't deny what the word says, and we, so he he's going to he's going to say that someday. Don't let it be you. Twenty-five, thirteen. It says, "Be ready for you know not when the bridegroom comes." Don't think you have plenty of time, or say, "I'll make a decision later." God wouldn't do that to me. I've, and I've heard people say, "Well, you know, I, I'm young. He's gonna wait till I get old." Well, what about the younger folks under you? Right. Come on. If you keep saying that, you know, it just kind of keep, You know, it would be never ended, right? We don't know when he's coming. We have to be prepared at whatever age we are. Right. Amen. It says the way of salvation is a walk. It's a way of life. It's dying to the flesh and all its desires and we're to live godly. We're to be walking in righteousness, holiness, godliness, not according to the flesh but according to the spirit not of works, but of faith, grace, and mercy are only found in Jesus Christ our Lord. And it says, no man, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he says, no man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. There's not multiple ways. There's not two or three different ways. There's there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. So many people are trying to get to God. Would you agree with that? But many of them are taking the broad road. It's easy. it's an easy travel. Uh, it, it, you know, there's plenty of room. And then there are a few, and there are very few that are taking the narrow road. It doesn't look inviting. It's hard, it's difficult, but Jesus will see you through it. Amen. He That's said he would right. give Amen. us a comforter who would guide us through That's right. it. Amen. So we have to make that decision, and, and some will try just to come by works. Well I did this, I did that. Were you obedient to my word? That's good. Jesus said there'll be many in that day. He said, "Lord, Lord, didn't we do uh, many mighty things in your name?" It, you know, they lay, they cast out demons, they laid hands on the sick, and he said, "Depart from me, for I never knew you." Why? Because they were af- they were trying to do works. They weren't trying to do their thing, his thing. They were trying to do their thing. Okay. Some will say, "Well, I asked Jesus in my heart a long time ago." Damn, that's all well and good, but what have you done for Jesus today? Are you walking in obedience today? Mm. Are you fulfilling His word in your life today? Are you doing what He's asked you to do and called you to do today? I, I remember the day I asked Jesus in my heart. But there's some days. Well, I'm glad He didn't come. Amen. After that, Amen. <laughs> I, I don't know that I wanted to give an account for some of that. Okay, <laughs> I knew that when Jesus came to my heart, there was something different. I didn't know what it was. Worse. Part about it is, I don't know that I had anybody to tell me what it was. It got me to that point, but they couldn't take me any further. Knowing in my heart there had to be more. Surely, there's more. Yeah, that was good, but you know, there, you, you always know that there's something else. Right. There, that, that, that yearning, that that drawing, and and, and I, I, the fact that they led me to the place of where I accepted Jesus was as far as those folks could take me. They weren't, they weren't able to take me any further. We've all been there. Amen. We all knew that we were at a place that they, we knew there had to be something else. Right. We didn't know what it was. We couldn't right. describe it. We just knew that there had to be. Amen. They had to be something else. Right. Amen. Surely this wasn't it. Right. Surely this wasn't it. And if that's all there was, that I guess that would have been okay. But but when you got that pulling and that, that tugging at you to right. try to, to take you further and you wonder, well now wait a minute. I'm not sure there's anything out there, you know. You know, it's kind of like somebody leading you around in the dark. You think, it's, uh, yeah, but what's there? I remember when Janice and I were just young whippersnappers, real young. And we we would go over to the uh, to the haunted house in Six Flags. Dear Lord. She- she wasn't going to go nowhere without me, cause she had she had a tight hold on me as we was walking through that, cause it was dark and you didn't know if something was going to reach out and grab you. And she's going to make sure if she got grabbed, I was going with her. You know that floor felt funny, it's like you are walking on old wore out mattresses with springs in it. I mean, it, it, and so she's hanging on, cause she, and if somebody jumped out, I felt it. Of course, I never would have told her it hurt. I just laugh it off, cry later. No, But we knew there had to be something else. That's what kept drawing us in. You can't get to heaven by what your grandparents did. You can't get to heaven by what your parents have done. You can't get to heaven by what your spouse has done. And you can't get to heaven by what your children may do. Our salvation is individual. I cannot get in on yours. You can't get in on mine. You can't have my oil and I can't have your oil. I've got to get my own oil in order for my lamp to be burning. That's good. Amen. So we have to do what? We have to come to Jesus, first of all, with a repentant heart. Repentance actually means that I, the good illustration is I'm walking this way and then when I repent, I make a complete turn and I start going in the other direction. That's repentance. We, we, we're not going in that direction any longer. But we're, we're not going to just come here and then do this. Because if I'm standing here and I'm not going forward, then, then I'm kind of in limbo. Could I easily turn and go the other direction? Yeah, I could. But if I'm moving in a direction, following after God, walking in repentance, I'm separating myself from that that would try to turn me back to the way I was going, but also the fact that I am walking away from it, that means it takes extra effort to swing me around to go back in that direction. So repentance is is an effort that we're making to walk in in a direction after God. So we turn away from our sin. We have a changed life. If somebody has, it says they accepted Jesus and their life has not changed, I have a hard time believing that they accepted Jesus because repentance will cause you to have a changed life. That's that's evidence. Now, granted, you have folks that may have grew up in church and they accept Jesus in their heart. They have a changed life, but it's not as dramatic as the guy that was was into to drugs and 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 robberies and, and stealing and stuff like that when they make a change, that's dramatic to have a changed life. Does that mean his is better than the other one? No. It's just the difference in experiences in our lives that we have. So, so it doesn't mean that his is better. Well, he's got a better testimony. Well, that don't mean go out and do all that crap so you can say I got a better testimony. You know, that, that's, that's not the case. The testimony is not what you were doing, is what you are doing. You know, I, I've been in, in churches where we're going to have testimony meeting and, and you have an hour and five minutes of, of folks telling what the devil has done and you got five minutes of telling what God had done. That's the wrong kind of testimony. Right. A good testimony is saying what God has done. Because yes. yes. what the devil has done don't matter anymore. That's right. When I accept Jesus, now my testimony is I serve a good God That's right. and Amen. he has changed my life. Yes. Amen. You know, we had, we always had a little thing at one of the churches we was at. There was two, two ladies in our church. You never ask them how they're doing. Thirty minutes later, you would get to walk away. But for the next thirty minutes, they're going to tell you exactly how they're doing. What hurts? What's got pain? Yeah, the whole nine yards. And if they didn't have anything new, they'd repeat it the next time you asked them. So you just says, "Good to see you today." <laughs> Run, Forrest. Okay, so. We have to have a change. So the word tells us that old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new, brother well, Sam. It says, new motives, new desires, and new me. I'm completely changed. It says, a Christ-like person, a follower, a learner, an imitator, pleasing him, not me or anybody else, just him. And we'd find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So there's about to be a shout. Are you ready? Are you ready? We have to choose. We make choices on a on a regular basis. Are you going to have oil in your lamp, and you're going to have extra oil, or are you just going to sh- hopefully and show up and say, "I have a lamp." Lamp means what? There's light. But if I don't have any oil, what will happen to my light? It's gone. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know if any of y'all. Know, some of you, I'm sure, had oil lamps. Some of you younger folks never have. Of course, Jennifer, she's hung around us. We had all lamps because when lights went out, we'd light up all lamps, and that was just because the novelty, not because it was necessary. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, you know, you'd, you'd when you run out of oil, you'd burn that wick up in a hurry. There wasn't nothing left to trim. <laughs> if you if you let that oil get low and that wick dry out, if you lit it, it's just like Setting on a piece of newspaper on fire poof it'd burn up in a hurry but, but if you got plenty of oil and you got this wick in there and where it has been burning if you'll take and trim it off then when, that, when you light it it gives you a much brighter light and so that's why they had to trim their lamps they had to be prepared they had to make sure they had plenty of oil and that wick was trimmed so that when it shone brightly and the only way they could do that is because they were prepared are you prepared? It's important that you be prepared. Do a checkup and see. That's what we have to do. That's, what, that's what, what the word does for us. It causes us to look at us. That word right there is not a magnifying glass. It's a mirror. Too many times people want to take that word and, and start examining people. And if I'm looking at you, then I don't know how to look at me. Okay. But the word is, is never that way. The word is a mirror. It's causing us to look at our inward parts of our, our being so that we know that are are we living the life that Jesus wants us to live? Are we living the life that he died for? Are we doing exactly what he has called us to do? Are we prepared? Are we prepared to do what he's called us to do? And are we putting that oil? Are we collecting that oil? Are we getting that wisdom and that knowledge and that understanding from him? Are we collecting that so that we're prepared? In that time of darkness, when it comes, are we going to be able to shine? that's that's what the word does for us. We're looking down at us and seeing, do I fit that image that is being portrayed? Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, it ain't that image that I'm looking at. It's this right here that I have to adjust. Amen. Amen. Amen? Stand with me. Well, Father God, your word is true. Father God, your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the very thing that you sent it to do. So, Father God, I ask that each of us search our own heart, Father God. And we look inside and say, Father God, am I walking in a matter that is worthy of you, that is pleasing to you, that honors you, that recognizes you as, as Lord of Lords? Am I preparing myself? I'm bringing in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of your words so that I will have the all that I need that in time of darkness my light will be able to shine bright so that when you call for your, your bride to come forth, we will be prepared Amen. to go forth. Father, I ask that you just reach in and, and, and you minister to each of our hearts. Father God, that, that you be, that we want you to be honored. That you, we want to glorify you. That, Father God, that we want to be pleasing in your sight. We want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in your word. We want to act on your word. We want to do your word. We want to be Christ-like in every way of our life and our activity. So, Father God, if there's anything in our lives that's unpleasing to you, reveal it to us tonight. And, Father, your word says that if we will confess those things, that you'll forgive us of those things. You tell us that if we repent from those things and turn and walk the other way, that we will be made new. We will, those things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. Amen. So, Father, I ask that you just do that in our lives and in our heart, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're a good God. Yes, you, are. you love your children, yes, you Father. We love you, yes. and that, Father God, we want to be lights yes. in a time of darkness. Yes. So, Father, help us to do that. Help us to to get into your Word. Help us to